You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at Earsports.com, a Paramount podcast follows. I am Mike Casazza welcoming in Chris Anderson for the start of Big 12 play in the 2023-24 basketball season. A little post-New Year's action. Last couple of years, West Virginia has started before the New Year. A year ago, things really started to go sideways with a couple of losses on the road, Eric Stevens incident. Eric Stevenson incident, uh, firing Larry Harrison the season. Um, boy, it really changed, and nothing has ever been the same since then, up to and including this season. Chris Anderson, the most non-conference losses during the regular season since the 78-79 season. The gravity of that statement is pretty heavy to me, and yet not at all surprising. Not at all, and I think some of the numbers we're going to throw out here in a few minutes are going to make it even worse. Because the numbers we're seeing, even with the guys coming back, is not promising for what they're about to go through in this Big 12 conference. Harder than previous iterations of the Big 12, TBD, because we saw what happened in football and don't know how Cincinnati, UCF, BYU... Um, Houston, fair enough. Oh, wait a second. Houston's number one in the net. BYU is number two. UCF and Cincinnati are both top 75, I believe. Um, I, I'm 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 kind of in the middle on this. My my hunch says this is going to be harder than before. But part of me is like, we've been down this road, but I also know football isn't like basketball. And here I am. I'm already talking myself into circles here. Where do you stand on this? I think... Um... I do think it's going to be difficult, obviously, but I, I do wonder if there's still going to be those, what do we want to call them, the DePaul games, the USF games, where there's just so many teams in the league that you're bound to run into a couple games where you should get a win. But then that raises the question, is that team you should get a win over West Virginia this year? And that's how other teams are viewing WBU, which is not great. This is legitimately the reality for West Virginia. 169 in the net. That's actually up quite a bit despite their loss, 5-8. and eight. Um, They have no fewer than 19 games left, 18 in the regular season in conference play, at least one in the conference tournament. All 19 are against teams that are above them in the net. And 
the 13th place team in the net is Oklahoma State, which is up at 134. So that's like the bottom right there because 134, 168. Chris, you got to go to up into the top 100 to get to the number 12 team in the Big 12. That would be Kansas State at 96. And then, as I mentioned, uh, UCF 70. So all those teams that I mentioned before that are new to the conference are in the top 70 of the net. The net's goofy this time of year. I understand that. I think you can make an argument certainly that Houston is the best team in the country or at least worthy of the number one spot. I have a hard time believing BYU was number two in the country, but that's what the net says right now. Before we dig into all this stuff, let's take a, a temperature here, Chris. Five and eight. And I think it's fair to say that if West Virginia is in the position to be in the selection committee's conversation, it's going to be because they perform well in Big 12 play, got some big wins, avoided some bad losses, which again, may really not exist apart from that Oklahoma State game, but also vindicated a lot of the hype about the roster that was not in place until, well, heck, not even now because they don't have Jesse Edwards for two more weeks almost here. What will it take, let's say, overall plus in conference to be on the good side of the bubble? It's one thing to be on the bubble, but to be on the good side doesn't mean you're going to get in, but you're at least in that conversation of, you know, last four in or safely in. What do you think it takes in the next 18, 19 games? All right, so 18 regular season games left, right? I got mm-hmm. that number right in my head. It's got to be 12 and 6. I mean, I it's it, I think it's a number that I don't even believe to be attainable. Um given the roster limitations at the minute, but I I I think it's 12 and 6. I mean, to to end up on the the good side of the bubble because again, that's that's 17 and 14, which isn't great, but I think you can legitimately be like, hey, we're not looking at the five and eight start. We're looking at just Big 12 conference play. And I think you almost have to get to that point. I mean, it may be 11 and seven. Would you have taken 12 and six or 11 and seven on October 1st? Yeah. yeah that would have yeah. been awesome, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now you're like, oh my gosh, they need to get this. Like you would have probably been like, you know what, man, they went eight or nine games in this Big Twelve with this roster. That's a pretty good season. They actually have to go above and beyond, right? Like that. And, and here's why those numbers are are so realistic. I think not only are they three games below five hundred, and they they really ha- you can't go in five hundred, even if their their season's wonky and they're hey wow they did really well when they were healthy. Well, they're going to have to do really well when they're healthy, which means like they're not going to have Edwards for a couple of more games here maybe you're looking at like that that um maybe four more games one of those things it just depends how it works out he missed i think the final nine games but just a little bit more than four weeks when he had the same injury two seasons ago so that that kind of gives the idea of how many games he might miss but when you are healthy you're gonna have to actually play really really well to like i said to validate that suggestion that this is what this team should have been but you're going to have to clear 500 and you're going to have to play really well and being three below right now. Plus however many they might drop in these next few games we can talk about. That's why you really have to be good or make a run in the tournament. And it boy, 11 or 12 wins. That's going to be an exceptional year. 12 wins they're in. I don't care what they do in Kansas city. Uh, that, that would, that would, again, that would validate all the things they talked about. They haven't been able to been, they would have been able to do had they been healthy. But the trouble is that man, every time they lose a game coming up here and there are a couple that are imminently losable, they're going to have to play that much better and get on that much of a streak here, which is why, you know, a game at Houston or a home game against Kansas, which bookends this the stretch here, 
you almost feel like you got to get one of them. Maybe not both of them, but you almost got to get one of them. And that could be a difficult thing to do for sure. Well, I just get that. That number just sounds so crazy, Chris, 12, but that's probably also accurate too. What, what makes you feel good about this being a possibility? I think a lot of people are going to think, you know what? You guys are out of your mind. And maybe that's true, but there are certainly talented players. If you listen as recently as their final non-conference game against Chris Holtman, he talked about how he knew they were better in the record and better than what he had seen on film. And in fact, he didn't even watch film from the first, you know, 12 games of the year. He just looking at what they did the last game. We're trying to figure out, you don't watch a lot of film in the first, the first 12 games. You watch like the most recent ones to figure out, all right, what do they do a battle? What do they do with Farrakhan? What do they do with Creasa and battle together? Creasa and Farrakhan together. Just trying to figure out who they have and what they do, because it's going to be very different without Edwards and with those three guys in there. And he called it the most difficult scout in his 25 years of coaching. I think there's an advantage there, Chris, because maybe teams just don't know what to do and who to take away. And maybe West Virginia has, yeah, butts built in there. Yeah, you're going to take us away, but we have this as a counter. And it looks like they can score and they can put points up when they have foul trouble out of the way. And when they have some momentum and they're hitting from the perimeter, trouble is it's difficult to get to there and to sustain that. And if something like foul trouble or cold spell comes in, boy, they are vulnerable. Yeah, there was something I brought up after the last game that was kind of a negative, but may also work out as a positive, is that it seems like there's two types of offenses that West Virginia can and sometimes does run. And one is where uh, Creasa is kind of this, you know, traffic cop that is directing everyone where to go. He's dishing, he's leading the offense and, um, you know, kind of finding the open guys and giving them open shots. And then there's the other offense where it's Battle and Farrakhan create kind of for themselves. But when the shot's not there, they're still capable of dishing it off, finding other guys, or they draw enough attention to themselves that it gets other guys open. And it's almost like two different offenses. And I think there is some kind of, like butting of heads there, not like with each other, but kind of like, hey, we're trying to do two different things here. We got to figure this out. And that's just going to come with playing together, which obviously they have not done very much of. And maybe they will they will do more of moving forward. But it also throw a wrench in how you defend this team and what you game plan for, just like you're saying there and just like uh, Ohio State coach said as well. Just it's it's just fascinating on many levels. I just don't know where to go on this one here, and it's it's going to be it's going to be tough right away. We can talk about this as stretch right now. Um, I'm looking at the bar tour of excitement, trying to figure out what to think of West Virginia. But they start with Houston, and the expectation at bar Torvik is for Houston to win by 20 points. That would not be a great start to Big 12 play. No, it would not. But um, also, would would you be shocked? If that's what happened. I don't know what to expect, Chris, because I've seen them get pushed and pushed and pushed, but also come back and, and sometimes surprise me. And I've seen them play down to almost all their competition, but also because they, they haven't played a great schedule, but also have when they've it kind of feels like when they get cornered, they do play well sometimes. And, and they're really cornered right now, too. But the rest of their schedule, man, is just so difficult. Um, they have the first the first actual Big 12 game of the season. That'll be uh, on ESPN Plus. Houston, welcome to Big 12 ESPN Plus. But man, then they get just some some tricky games there that are going to be really difficult for them. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to get out of this, but this stretch coming up is going to be hard. And again, again, when you start with Houston and you end with Kansas and you get Kansas State and Texas in, in the middle there, like it's it's a rough stretch of games here. 
and they're going to have to get a couple of them because I think there's something soft after that. There are some winnable games in there too, but do, do you believe in magic numbers? Like you see these things before, like, oh, they, they're playing this, you know, Saturday, Monday, they got to get one of these two. They got to get both these two. This is a bit more prolonged, but in this, this immediate flurry of games right here to open big 12 play, just because they have to keep their head above water for as long as they can until and after Edwards comes back. Do you think they got to get a couple of these and, and which ones can they not afford to lose? Which ones do they have to lose? Or is, is the concept of a magic number right now just crazy because you have to suspend any type of expectation with this team and the way it's gone? Well, I do think you have to suspend expectations. But if you want to talk about any sort of chance of doing anything or even kind of being competitive, I hate I don't want to think about a road where this goes so far south that this season just, it, it, I mean, you know, things get worse than they already are. We'll just leave it at that. But if you can go these next five, which is at number three, Houston, home, Kansas State, home, number 20, Texas, at number 11, Oklahoma, home, number two, Kansas. If you can get two wins in there, it's it's wild. Hey, you go two and three, that's a huge win to go two and three during that five-game stretch, given that I believe, if my math was correct, was... Edwards maybe coming back for that Kansas game, kind of between that Oklahoma Kansas uh, that Wednesday Saturday, I think was when the timeline worked out for him to come back. Surgery on December twenty. It's a Wednesday. Oklahoma game is on Wednesday, January seventeen. Probably more likely the same for Kansas, I would guess. Yeah. Houston three, Kansas State home, Texas twenty. At Oklahoma 11, two Kansas at West Virginia. Yeah, two wins there. All right, you're feeling good because now you're still in that 2-3. Can we get ourselves above five under stretch? And that's because that's important because of what follows there. Not a lot of soft spots in the schedule, but at UCF, at Oklahoma State, I, I do feel like if they come out of there with two wins, they're going to feel pretty good. They could double up. Uh, I don't think winning at UCF is insane. And then Oklahoma State is the other the bad team, maybe the other underwhelming team in the conference. Cincinnati, don't know what to make of them. The schedule has been interesting. They have a good win-loss record. UCF, Oklahoma State, two road wins, come home, Cincinnati, fine. And again, BYU, I just don't know what to think about with BYU, but would not be surprised if BYU came all the way to Morgantown for a 6 p.m. game on February 3rd and had a hard time. So there's there's a chance there for them to get going. They're going to have to pluck some of them too, but certainly the, the Big 12 is going to be a challenge here. What do you make of the Big 12, the newcomers, the – Cast of characters you expect to be good, surprises, disappointments, anything that stands out, anyone that stands out to you so far. I mean, BYU is a shock, right? Like, I'm trying, I'm trying to, as you were talking there, I was trying to go back and find my preseason ballot, what I sent in for preseason Big 12 basketball. I don't think I had BYU like in the top 10 of the league, much less. Yeah, I know. Here we go. I found the official media rankings. They were 13th, picked 13th, and by a considerable margin as well um, out of the 14 teams. And so I, I, I'm i stunned by them being not only not 13th in the league, but number at least number 12 in the nation right yeah. now. Um, they are tops in the league. Let me pull up, I'm just pulling up these stats like in, in rebounding margin. I think that's a big reason why they're they're doing what they're doing, and they're just – dominating teams they have the best point differential the best rebounding differential the best assist differential they are efficient they are making three-point shots i believe they're second in the league in three-point shooting uh differential as well so they are 
dominating their opponents in pretty much every fashion, which is certainly not something I expect to come to this season. Haven't beat anybody outside of San Diego State. It's a home win. They played once on the road, lost to Utah. That's always a pretty intense road game. Their schedule was number 303, according to Ken Palm. A lot left to prove there, too. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Is Oklahoma State going to do this every year? Just, just kind of mess around in the non-conference, and all of a sudden, you're like you're, you're in like the second weekend of February, going, "Man, Mike Boyden has his team right in the edge." Or is this the year where Mike Boyden just kind of runs out of magic, and um, they got to make a change? As I say, they seem to do a lot of things a lot of years that are along uh, that are very confusing. So I was curious which one, which of those things you were talking about. But yeah, Good point. I mean, this is this is one where I wonder if they can come back from it, but. As soon as I started thinking that, I believe they've won four in a row, five yeah. in a row now. <laughs> you know, like I mean, they're seven and five, but they've won four or five in a row now. And so maybe they have kind of figured it out. Again, schedule soft in a non-conference schedule. They didn't they didn't have an Ohio State like West Virginia did, but still, um, maybe they're getting right right before conference play. Do you know the leading score in the Big Twelve? Enlighten me. Place for Kansas. Oh. Well, battle would be, yes, but he doesn't have enough participation right Right. now. He plays for Kansas. Okay. Is that a good clue? Uh, That's a pretty good clue. Who is it? Uh, Is it, I was about to say Dickinson, but it's not Dickinson. Otherwise, you wouldn't be asking me, I don't think. All right, I have another clue. He's a transfer. Oh, McCuller? Yes. (laughs) I mean, that's a guy who's known for being a team player, a defensive guy. He's averaging 20.4 points per game. And again, made 23, 75 free throws, 85 baskets. So he's kind of doing his thing everywhere. But he's been, uh, when I've watched him, he's played very well against some good teams too. And, and again, not surprising that Kansas is at the top of the league right here too. Um, collectively on talent, when West Virginia has its five, and that's going to be, let's just project here, but you're going to include Edwards, I would imagine. Creesa, I guess you would, I don't know if you start Farrakhan or not. Let's say no. Creesa? Battle, 
No, let's start. Let's start Farrakhan, huh? I would say maybe we don't start him, but he's certainly one of the best five. Yeah. So let's start him because I'm looking just right now. Like I'm getting to this point here. I guess is what I'm saying. Creesa, the guy I'm not mentioning is a guy I want to mention. Creesa, Farrakhan, Battle. You get Edwards back. A cooks off the bench. You know what do you do with uh, Harris, Wilson, so on, and so forth. Kobe Johnson once upon a time was a good player in this team. I haven't mentioned Quinn Slizinski, and that seems like the one guy who is a man on an island right now because the guard play has been so good. And he does not have that that low post guy to really help him out and to take some of the heat off of him. And I don't know if defenses are gearing up toward him. It doesn't seem like he became a focal point and got double teams. It just seems like he's a product of not a lot of shots going around. Great at the beginning of the season, efficient scorer, could get up a lot of shots, but make a lot of them. Got to the foul line a bunch, could rebound, pass a lot. But expectedly, and, and perhaps dramatically, his production has dipped a little bit. Because they've gotten battle back, who takes 20-something shots a game, and Farrakhan's been a good scorer. Carissa does look like he tries to find Sosinski, but we're talking so much about Edwards and what they're missing with him and how much the three guards have brought to the table, um, delayed unexpectedly, whatever you want to call it. I do feel like they're a a well-positioned Quinn Slazinski away from being able to make the sort of move, or at least being able to be in position to make the sort of move that we're talking about. What have you seen, and is it as simple as saying that he just has to get used to his surroundings changing again. Well, I think he needs to understand what his game is because it seemed like he was like, Hey, I am a three point shooting big man, a, a, a stretch four kind of guy. And at the start of the year, sure. Um, I, I think he's, he was shooting like 40% or something close, like upper 30s, which is very good, especially for that size. And the, and the number he was shooting, you know, he was averaging like five or six three-point attempts a game for the first say, month or so of the season. And But that wasn't sustainable. Like if you go back and look at his entire career, he has been about a 30% three-point shooter. He was 29% last year, 34 the year before that, 23% the year before that. So that's him shooting 38, 39% was not sustainable. And it's come crashing down in recent games. Uh, uh, 0 of 4, 1 of 6, 0 of 3, the last three games. So again, I think he needs to realize he is more of a slashing, cutting, driving to the basket kind of guy, which is still a mismatch. I think too many people look at it and say, hey, you want to have those six foot nine guys that can shoot a three. But well, you know what else you like? Those six foot nine guys that drag the big men out to the perimeter and yeah. can drive by them because they don't have the the lateral quickness to stay in front of them. And, and so he can attack in that way. Like, I'm not saying he can't attack, but he can and should attack by going to the basket because he's pretty efficient with that. And he's he's got that weird, like, old man YMCA body strength where he can contort his body and move around and make some funky layups and get his body around other guys because he's he's pretty good at that. I think he just needs to embrace that a little more. Glad you mentioned starting five, best five. The differential there is obviously really important too because you're going to have your best five in the most important times of the game or the season. Ultimately, this ends up as what a nine man rotation. You think? Mm, okay, let's let's walk through the five. We okay. just or the nine in no particular order, but Kreisa, Farrakhan, okay. Battle, Slazinski, okay. mm-hmm. Edwards. Mm-hmm. Okay. Got to play Sumnick. A cook. Okay. Seven. Here's we get picky. 
Three point shooting. Is it is it as simple as Harris Wilson? That's nine. Do you just keep pushing Kobe Johnson further down the bench? Say, hey, you were great for the first part of the season, but still just five and eight. And because I don't know where you're going to get him point guard minutes at this point. Uh, Crease is playing a bunch, and you can certainly have Farrakhan pull the ball and go fast. I, I don't know that you go much further than those four bench guys that I mentioned, which again did not include Kobe Johnson. There might be a day or, or, or a situation for him, but I'm not sure this team really wants to be going five deep on the bench and giving guys minutes just because they're on the team either. Yeah, see, it gets so unclear after those. Because for me, I got one, two, three, four, the five that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And then like a cook, a cook is definitely a sixth guy in there. And I mean, maybe, I mean, perhaps some that's expendable. Yeah, I, I mean, he, they, it, it's hard to say after the game he just came off of, which was, I think, pretty clearly his best game, um, at least in my memory right now. Um, he played outstanding. He was not like his biggest issue has been that he's a liability on offense and he was not a liability on offense. Heck, ran a play for him to tie the game in regulation. And, you know, if he can play like that, sure, he's in the rotation. I just don't know how consistently you do that, but. You can kind of say that about a lot of the guys. Obviously, there there are some flaws. I mean, there are flaws. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on the bench. They would be part of the starting five. But like Josiah Harris, like I mean, offensively, they the the plan seems to be, and you go stand in the corner and wait, Ugh. and maybe you'll get a pass. Which I don't love because he's a bigger guy and he does a decent job around the rim when he's down there. But it's hard to rebound the ball when you're stuck in the corner. Um, uh, Nave again he's a good talent probably shouldn't be playing as much as he is right now but he's kind of being thrust in that role I'm excited for what he can do down the road and you kind of just keep going there like everybody has something they can do well but then a lot of flaws I mean obviously with Seth Wilson and um, and Kobe Johnson for for various reasons I have a hard time believing they're going to usher Kobe Johnson back into the good graces after whatever happened that he didn't even play a game um D different things I've heard or whatever, but there was some sort of a dispute there. Obviously, even Josh Heiler said it was his decision that they, they need to get back on the same page, and they were not at that point. So he decided not to play him. I just I just don't know if the buy-in is going to be all the way back there, but they might need him for a day. And can he continue to? I don't know. Just for I mean, this is sorry for the phrase, but like they're running on a treadmill. Some of these guys because they're not going to catch up to the players who are ahead of them that they've been waiting on to get into the lineup. And what they did before really, by and large, may not matter too because who they have now is are better options and certainly better scores players, so on and so forth. Um, let's go over some, some statistics here, Chris, and I'm going to bore people, but this is the reality of the situation. And I want to see if like any of this stuff alarms you as surprising or like, you know what? They're actually better than that. For example, their scoring offense. They're last in the big 12 by almost seven points, actually more than seven points a game. Everybody in the big 12 is scoring 75 or more West Virginia's at 68. That's because they had to play slow, slow early on. However, they're last in the Big 12 in scoring defense. And for a team that has played slow and tried to minimize possessions, that's alarming to me a little bit. And then the only team in the Big 12 with a negative scoring margin. I don't know that any of that is necessarily surprising. The scoring defense does surprise me a little bit just because the games have been so low scoring. But there are some very good defensive teams in this league, too. Uh, shooting percentages, they're 14th at 41%. 
Um, number 10 defensively, not terrible. Here's where things get interesting, Chris, and maybe this is where the influx of talent can change. The worst three-point shooting. So, no, they're not worse anymore. Sorry. 13th in the Big 12 in three-point shooting. With all their guards and the way they're going to dot people around the perimeter, that's going to have to improve if they're going to do anything, correct? Yes, absolutely. Can it? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Is there a strategic <laughs> thing here, or is this just a matter of... um? Oh, let me let me dust this off here. <clears throat> guys making shots. Guys making shots. Well, guys making shots because you have guys that can make shots now. Let's put it that way. I think that's like like you noted. You got an influx. Creases back. You know, missed the first nine games. Farrakhan, he's more of a slasher, but capable. Battle capable. Um, and then they're pressure their ability to kind of drive to the basket and draw extra attention should give the rest of the guys easier shots more open shots so that the threes they are taking should be more makeable than the threes they were taking previously edwards helps here too i know he's not a three-point shooter but boy if they can kick it to him and pull a defender out uh, the kick out the kick out in the rotation that's just a lot easier too uh, this will not surprise anybody here but the rebounding has been Major issue for West Virginia. Not the worst in the world. Nevertheless, the worst in the Big 12. They're barely over at 0.3 uh, to 0 rebound. or 0.3 rebounding margin. Um, and then if you look at some other teams, what they're doing on offensive rebounding. Um, let's see. Houston gets 16 offensive rebounds. West Virginia gets 10. Uh, that is number one and number 13 in the Big 12. West Virginia defensive rebounding, despite playing a lot of zone, is still pretty good. Number six in the conference, which means they're forcing shots and grabbing misses. Um, they give up a lot of offensive rebounds. That's the issue there, too. But again, this is an Edwards stat. I'm not sure that a Cook or Slodzinski are designed to be under the basket players. It seems like they're perimeter guys, which means that they're having a rebound. Especially in offense, they're away from where they're going to be more beneficial in offense. Son McKen, for sure, he got some good rebounds last game, too. But I, I just imagine they're going to have to find a way to to patch it until Edwards get back and hope that some guards can come in and help him out and keep him out of foul trouble. But I don't know how this one gets better right away, especially when you look at who they're going to run into. Yeah, the rebounding thing is the biggest concern for me. And and I don't know how to feel after watching that Ohio State game um, and, and looking at some of the numbers from the first half and second half. And I wrote this in my three thoughts after the game. But in that first half, West Virginia had more opportunities. And, and when you talk about rebounding, typically when you say opportunities, it's because the other team has missed a lot of shots so, because defensive rebounding is obviously easier than offensive rebounding. You tend to get more of them. And West Virginia had more defensive rebound opportunities, more uh, rebounding opportunities in Ohio State by a considerable margin, yet Ohio State out-rebounded them. And then in the second half, Ohio State had more rebounding opportunities, yet West Virginia won the rebounding battle in the second half and that's when they came storming back so that 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 gives me some good feelings and some bad feelings here because the good is hey they're capable they're capable of doing that they can do that and the bad is why did they not do it in the first half and maybe some of that has to deal with some of the zone defense as you noted uh, some of it might have to deal with effort uh, but one thing that kind of really caught my attention Raekwon battle um 10 rebounds right double digits um yeah. not something he's done throughout his career but when you watch that game and you look at it like this is an eye test thing which i know some people don't really like that much but he looks long like he looks longer than six five he looked like he was 
getting his fingertips and his hands on a lot of rebounds. And he is a guy who is capable of maybe not 10 rebounds a game, of course, but like five. And if he can get to five rebounds at that kind of shooting guard, wing, small forward, whatever you want to call it, position, that can really help out a lot of things, especially if he gets like four or five rebounds, but also gets his hands on another five that then just kind of get jostled around and somebody else grabs a rebound. He's just a guy that I think can do a lot more than just score. And we saw it in the Ohio State game, and I think that's pretty promising too. All right, I want to end on him if you don't mind. Um, I like getting 27 points a game. That's pretty cool. Not a fan of 56 shots and two assists. I'll call me old-fashioned. Um, I, I do like 56 shots, 19 threes, six makes, because he is a guy who's going to hit you with twos and, and being able to drive and hit mid-range. I, I like 56 shots and 27 free throw attempts. Uh, I like eight steals, especially seven in the past two games, and I really like, as often as he has the ball in his hands, Chris, four turnovers. Uh, he's moving a lot. Like He doesn't really make a lot of passes where he's going to throw it out of bounds because he doesn't really pass it very much, but this is a guy who's prone to maybe charges or getting double teamed and having the ball slapped away from him or traveling or anything that happens when you move with the ball like he does. Four turnovers is pretty good. A two to four assist to turnover ratio in three games, that's part of a conversation, I guess. But you're, you're looking at 82 points, like I said, 27 points a game and pretty good efficiency numbers uh, apart from that first game where nine for 22. But after then, he is 18 for 34, which is right over 50%. Seemed like he's gotten more comfortable and perhaps hasn't been as rusty and, and sloppy would be the better word, as you might expect for somebody who's coming off that layoff and, and jumping into a team that was already in motion. Like he's trying to catch up and, and everybody's already moving it. And it seems like he has done pretty well. It does seem to me that he he, he probably fits the bill of as, as talented as they thought he was and by the way, two weeks in the Big 12, two-time Big 12 player of the week. He could certainly be that spark plug. And I think this goes back to my point about this seems like two different offenses because, as you noted, only only two assists out of all that, all that usage rate and only two assists. Um, not ideal uh, for a guy that's handling the ball that much, but a lot of this is being thrown on his back. Like, Hey, you got to carry us right now. And, and yeah, that, that first game was a little rough one of eight from three, but nine of 22 overall. But like you said, a little better than the next two games. And I think if he, when he turns to driving the ball, if he could just keep his head up a little more, a little more on that dish, because he's getting double and triple team. They're collapsing on him when yeah. he drives to the basket. So if he can just get a couple assists, nobody, He's not here to get six assists a game. No. But like, and I don't think you're saying that either, but one or two, you know, two, two a game, that wouldn't hurt. If you're going to, if you're going to hold the ball for, you know, 30 minutes out of the 40 minute game, two assists might not be a bad thing. And, and again, I think it's just a couple of those where he's driving to the basket and instead of forcing it up in traffic with three guys on you, maybe hit, maybe hit Josiah Harris while he's standing in the corner waiting on a three maybe hit you know pat sumnick when he's uh setting that screen and standing there on the other block waiting for a layup i mean to roll my sleeves up again to evan miyakawa stats i want to see player combos i want to see who was good with josiah harris and who's not like i wonder if him in one corner and seth wilson in the other is a good pairing and i wonder if like kobe johnson and, and harris are not a good pairing it's that time chris i feel like it's it's time to nitty-gritty this and figure it out we're about to coin a phrase here you ready 
when you go to clinch a division in baseball, basketball, whatever, you have a magic number, right? You got to win so many games or a combination of your wins and the opponent losses. You're in, you're familiar with that concept, right? I am. The evil number, Chris. Seven losses. There's no coming back. So seven more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Because you're going to have an eighth in the conference tournament. Sorry. And that would get you to 16 losses. That's not going to work. The math doesn't work. So the evil number, Chris, is seven. You have to not lose seven games the rest of the way. And that's just, oof, that's that's really tricky. That's the that's the reality of the situation. I'm glad you broke it down like this. And I'm glad we, we'll print the t-shirts now too. Sound good? 2 p.m. ESPN Plus, West Virginia at Houston. 20-point spread. I'll have to check out DraftKings. Excuse me, Caesar Sportsbook and see what they say there. 20 points is a lot, but who knows? Going into a, see a, a defense team like the likes of which I haven't seen, going to be a juiced-up home crowd, and West Virginia still shorthanded without Jesse Edwards. Anything else you want to add here before we call this one an episode? No, that sounds that sounds about right. Let's see if they can turn around, because I, I was kind of excited for this to be the ultimate test case of the committee to see if they were paying attention. I just don't know if they got the juice to get get to that point. I mean, at full strength, it's an exceptional season, and then they have to pull it off right now. I don't know how that's gonna how that's gonna work. We'll see. And again, like every loss they take before Edwards gets back makes them have to do that much more. And again, that puts a lot on him as a savior, which he maybe he is. We'll see. We we don't know how he's gonna coexist with all these guards because we just haven't seen it yet. He did not play the game the battle was back and he got hurt in that game and has been on the shelf since. We'll find out when we do, we will let you know. Until then, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We will talk to you then.